0: Church, we do join thousands of sister Southern Baptist churches and focusing during this time of year on the Lottie Moon Christmas offering that goes 100 percent to support Southern Baptist missionaries serving Christ, planting their lives all over the world uh, for the sake of the least of these, for the sake of those who do not know Christ, for the sake of those who have not heard the gospel. And so uh, let me encourage you now. Uh, to begin praying about what the Lord would have you give to this offering, what the Lord would have each of us give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Our church goal is $50,000, uh, and that is, uh, that's a lofty goal, uh, but that is an attainable goal for us. And so let's pray to that end that the Lord would uh, move us, He would stir us to give generously and sacrificially for the sake of spreading His name all across uh, the earth. Uh, Just a reminder this morning that there is no treehouse children's worship in this service as we uh, participate in the Lord's Supper together uh, momentarily. But for all of us, let me invite you to open up God's Word with me today to the New Testament letter of 2 Corinthians. We're in Second Corinthians today, and you, uh, like you know, and, and and if not, could have guessed it, Second Corinthians comes right after 1 Corinthians, which is after Romans, after the Gospels and Acts. So, uh, relatively speaking, near the end of God's Word in uh, the completed uh, Bible. But today is our third uh, and final week in our Gospel Giving series, uh, which will culminate in an opportunity in just a little while to respond what God has done for us, uh, by giving generously and sacrificially above and beyond our regular giving to the church. And so if you're a regular here, you perhaps have noticed a slight revision in our service this morning. Maybe you think we forgot to take up uh, the offering. We have not forgotten, I assure you, and we will do that uh, in just a few minutes. But we want to emphasize today that our giving and always our giving should be in response to who God is, and what He has done for us. And so we are going to dive into His Word. We're going to prepare to participate in communion. We're going to celebrate Christ's provision, and we're going to respond with thanksgiving and praise. And uh, we're calling today, as we did uh, about this time last year, uh, Generosity Sunday, a day on which we gratefully acknowledge God's generosity to us and respond accordingly as we express gratitude for God's many good gifts in our lives and encourage one another to give generously and sacrificially to Christ Church, I want you to know, I want you to hear me say in this, that I'm not interested in, uh, in guilting anyone into giving uh, to the church today. But my desire is that the gospel of grace, that the gospel of Jesus Christ compels us, stirs us, moves us uh, to give of ourselves and of what God has entrusted to us for his kingdom work. Our text for this morning is uh, from 2 Corinthians. We'll be in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9. And in this letter, uh, Paul commends a certain congregation of believers, and he does so uh, to the Corinthian church. He commends the Macedonian congregation uh, for being materially materially poor, uh, yet spiritually rich. Uh, Did you know that you can have Little, by way of this life, and still, according to god 's word, be spiritually rich, spiritually wealthy, with an inheritance awaiting you in heaven that can never perish, spoil, or fade away. You see, the Macedonian churches faced persecution and poverty, and yet they rejoiced in God 's grace and the opportunity that He had given to them to contribute to the needs of others. They were practicing gospel generosity, or gospel giving. And so here's the setting as we prepare to read our text today. Remember that Paul was an apostle, uh, meaning he had uh, witnessed the resurrected Christ, that Christ had appeared to him on the Damascus Road and asked him why he's persecuting him. And he had commissioned Paul to go and to proclaim the gospel, to spread the message of salvation in Jesus Christ. And Paul traveled and proclaimed that message. And in the process, he established churches and encouraged believers And he often returned to those places, and he would instruct them in the faith. He'd correct errors, and he would strengthen them as a body of of faith. And as a traveling missionary, uh, Paul was well aware uh, that the church in Jerusalem was poor. In fact, they were really poor. And so Paul had gone around, and in his travels, he was taking up a collection for them. And as he writes to this church, as he writes to the church in Corinth, he He says that the Macedonians, that is those in northern Greece, couldn't give very much to the cause, to his cause, but they gave all they could and they did so cheerfully. In other words, they counted it a privilege and a joy to give everything they could because they knew what Christ Jesus had done for them. So let me ask you this morning as we prepare to focus on the word of God. Do you know what Christ Jesus has done for you? Do you know the grace of the Most High God, that He has showered upon you in the rescuing and redeeming love of Jesus. You see, gospel giving is in response to that rescuing love. And so now, writing to Christians in Corinth, Paul calls upon the Corinthian church to imitate the gospel generosity of this other church, the gospel generosity of the Macedonian church, and Let's look at what he has to say. And So let me invite you, as is our practice here, to join me standing, whether in body or in spirit, for the reading of God's holy word. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, and then chapter 9, verses 12 through 15. Paul writes, he says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. In chapter 9, verse 12, he continues, he says, This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ, and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Would you bow with me? Father, we do echo these words, and we express thanks to you this morning for the indescribable gift of the gospel. Lord, remind us of it once again today. Compel us to want to live for you. Convict us, encourage us, shape us around this news of salvation in Jesus. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You may be seated. If you spend much time at all in the Bible, and the New Testament, you know that every letter or every book has a context and uh, second corinthians is no exception so paul writes second corinthians in about ad 55 uh, as part of his ongoing relationship with that local church with that local congregation of believers and here he calls upon uh, essentially a relatively wealthy gentile congregation uh, to serve to give to help a relatively poor jewish congregation in jerusalem In other words, he calls upon uh, the Corinthian church to make an impact for Christ's kingdom by imitating the generosity of Jesus himself. This would not be all that different from us receiving a a call for help from a sister church in another part of the world who didn't have enough resources to make ends meet or to engage in ministry. You see, church, we too are called to, to make an impact for Christ's kingdom by imitating the generosity of Jesus. Generosity that originates from the life And the ministry and the teachings and the gift of Jesus, that's gospel generosity. It's gospel giving. In other words, it isn't something we just conjure up on our own. This is not a pull yourself up by the bootstraps message. No, this is responding to the grace that God has shown us in Jesus Christ. It's not something we choose to do in our own power and strength. No, gospel giving is about the gospel of Jesus. Gospel giving is about the gospel of Jesus. We would think that might go without saying, but by gospel, people mean all sorts of things today. And so we want to clarify what that is. Often when I have opportunities to do premarital counseling with couples, I I tell them something like this. Your marriage is not just about you. In fact, ultimately, uh, your marriage is not about you. In fact, according to the Bible, according to God's word, our our marriage, your marriage is for the glory of God. And it's meant to mirror something else. It's it's meant to, to mirror something bigger than yourself. It's meant to mirror the gospel of Jesus. It's meant to provide a tangible picture to your spouse and your family and your friends and the rest of the world around you of christ's love for his bride the church in other words our marriage your marriage if you are marriage is ultimately uh, a picture uh, that anticipates the great marriage supper of the land the marriage between christ jesus and his bride the church and likewise gospel giving is not ultimately about us It's not so much about purchasing things like padded pews for our comfort or likable personnel. Or uh, it's not so much about tax benefits or or personal recognition. Ultimately, it is about the glory of God. And so you see, if those things, if, if ulterior things are our motivation... That becomes the very opposite of worship for such motivation becomes about us and rather than about God. And as we noted last week, true worship is an issue of the heart. God wants our hearts. He wants all of us. He wants to capture and captivate and transform our hearts around his goodness to us. And true worship, genuine worship flows from transformed hearts, hearts that have been gripped by his goodness and his grace. So let me ask you this morning, does he have your heart? Does the Lord on high have your heart? Has he captured your heart? Has your heart been transformed by his goodness and his grace so that you want to give to Christ out of love for him? He says it this way. Paul says it this way. For you know, believers, says, you know, church, you know, saved ones, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ That though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. You see, friends, there's something about what Jesus has done for us that when recognized and received, recognized here and received here, when recognized and received, detaches us from any preoccupation with our stuff because we realize it's not really our stuff. That anything we have, any possessions or, or, or opportunities that we have have been entrusted to us by God Himself, Psalm twenty four. And second, we see that in laying down His cross, His life on the cross of Calvary for us, Jesus has done far more for us than He's calling us to do. He has done for us what we can never do, He has accomplished for us what we can never attain. And third, through the gospel of Jesus, we learn that this earthly life is but a short stint on our journey toward eternity. And so as a result of those things, we're called, we're invited, we're commanded to give generously and sacrificially and cheerfully and willingly because we want to see God himself glorified in us and because we want to see those around us come to know Jesus. That's gospel giving. Gospel giving must be about the gospel of Jesus. And secondly, gospel giving produces thanksgiving. Gospel giving produces Thanksgiving. I think we all know by now that Thanksgiving is quickly coming, that uh, this is Thanksgiving week, a, a, a week that many of us gather around a table with, with friends or family and we gorge ourselves, we eat till we can't eat anything else and we call it uh, gratefulness to God out of His abundant provision for us. And according to Paul's words here, what Paul is saying here is that as we, uh, as we give to meet the needs of others, as we serve for the benefit of others, then they offer up thanksgiving to God. So you want to see people give thanks to God. Practice generosity. As Paul encourages the Corinthian church to give generously, he writes in verse 12 of chapter 9, he says, This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people. In other words, it's not only helping them for the real, material, tangible needs. But he says it's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. In other words, giving as Jesus gave is an act of personal thanksgiving to God, right? An act of personal worship, a response to what Jesus has done for me. And as such, it is an act of worship. But it is also an act that causes the recipients of the gift to give thanks to God as well. So I was chewing on some of this this week as I spent time dwelling on. That message over the last few days, church, I've been moved to offer thanksgiving to God anew and afresh for the opportunity of pastoring you with pay. Moved by the thought that the the privilege of of receiving compensation from a congregation of believers, from, from a church, in order to devote my life to gospel ministry. What a joy that is. As the Lord equips and leads and provides, what an opportunity for me and our other ministerial staff to devote our lives to serving Christ by serving you because of your faithfulness, because of your generosity, because of your sacrifice, because of your giving. So church, hear me say this morning, thank you. Thank you on behalf of me. Thank you on behalf of our staff. And no doubt, there are others who are giving thanks to God as a result of your giving to the church. I think of the men at the Jimmy Hill Mission who are provided a hot meal multiple times a month by this congregation, by people in this congregation who bake and who cook and who deliver and who serve. Serving God all funded by your faithful and generous giving as A church from week to week, we spend approximately $20,000 every year through our budget to provide meals to the hundreds of men who come to the Jimmy Hill mission every week. Or I think of those working to care for vulnerable children and families through the ministries of the Alabama Baptist Children's Homes and Lifeline Children's Services and Save a Life Shelby, who receive annual gifts through our mission's budget as a result of your generous and sacrificial giving. Typically spend somewhere between ten and twenty thousand dollars on local ministries like those, and another thirty-five to forty thousand, thirty-five to forty-five thousand dollars through the Shelby Baptist Association partners in ministry. Or I think of the Castello family, a family that's been with us here at Meadowbrook, Stephen Castello, who, who has preached before us and called us to, to serve the Lord and to proclaim the gospel. A, a family who has uprooted and moved to Boston to plant a church. In an American metropolis with less than 3% evangelical Christians supported in part by your faithful and generous giving. We give about $400 a month to help support this sponsored church. Or I think of the state and the national and the international Southern Baptist missionaries who are supported by gifts through the cooperative program... To which six percent of our receipts, or about 130, or about hundred thousand dollars on an annual basis, go directly to, and through offerings like the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering and the Annie Armstrong North American Missions Offering, or I think of the Barton family, Zach and Kaylin, who were with us in our early service this morning, the young couple who are part of us, and have experienced God's call to go and to plant their lives in North Africa to live out their faith among an unreached people for the sake of those people hearing and responding to the gospel of Jesus. A family that is receiving will receive more than $800 a month of support through our missions budget as a local church. You see, folks, without your generous and sacrificial giving, our ability as a church to advance the gospel of Jesus around the world through folks like the Bartons would be greatly minimized. In church, this is only a sampling. It is only a, a small taste of the partners in the gospel who are receiving support through you. Through your gospel giving, God is getting thanks. And friends, he deserves thanks. He deserves praise for who he is. He deserves thanks for what he has done and what he is doing through you. Gospel giving is about the gospel of Jesus. Gospel giving produces thanksgiving. And third, gospel giving accompanies genuine faith. According to the word of God, gospel giving accompanies genuine faith. Let's look back at Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 13. The text continues. Paul writes, he says, Because of the service... By which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. In other words, Paul says gospel obedience and gospel generosity, gospel giving will cause other believers to praise God for our faith. Church, let's be a church. Let's be a people who who praise God for believers who are imitating the way of Jesus, whose words and deeds and sacrifices reflect the one who sacrificed his very life for us. And so, friends, when we see God at work in the lives of one another, when we see God working in the midst of brothers and sisters in Christ, let's pause and let's praise God for it. Let's praise him for his hand. When we hear about the transformative power of the gospel resulting in things like conversations about Jesus in the home or in the workplace or in the classroom or around the Thanksgiving table, let's praise God for it. When we hear stories of church members giving up vacation time to serve in vacation Bible school, which, by the way, is not a vacation for those who are serving, let's praise God for it. We hear about fellow church members giving up time and resources to go on mission trips or or, or to sponsor children through Compassion International or to purchase food items for the local uh, Backpack Buddies program or purchasing needed clothing through the Christmas gift shop ministry. When we hear things like this, let's praise God for his work among us and through us. He deserves praise. He deserves praise when his people respond to his grace, grace with genuine faith that results in gospel giving. let me ask you this morning, have you responded to his grace with genuine faith that results in gospel giving? You see, obedience and giving to the Lord is a response to what he has done for us. In no way could we ever earn a right relationship with God. In no way could we ever earn the favor of God or the salvation of God. Gospel giving is a response to what he has already done for us. And when it comes to gospel giving, church, the bottom line is this. We give because Christ gave. We give because Christ gave. That's the truth Paul wanted the first century church in Corinth to know and to act upon. And friends, that's also the biblical truth that we're invited to know and to act upon. We give because Christ gave. We don't give to earn salvation. We don't give to earn God's favor. We don't give even to feel better about ourselves. We don't give uh, because we would rather the church receive money than the government. No, ultimately we give because Christ gave. We give generously and sacrificially and willingly and cheerfully because Christ gave his life for us. Friends, how could we not give for his glory? So may we be a people who sacrifice cheerfully, generously, and give for the glory of God through his bride, the church. So friend, if you want to live and give for the glory of Jesus, if you want to live a life that honors the name of Christ, that glorifies the most high God, then let me urge you to keep your eyes on the cross. Keep your eyes on the cross. Keep your eyes on the greatest act of sacrificial giving this world has ever known and will ever know. We give, because christ gave are your eyes on the cross are your eyes on the gift of jesus friend may we look to the cross and we look to the cross of calvary now and forever and say thanks be to god for his indescribable gift would you bow with me as we give thanks Father, we do express thanks this morning for what you have done for us. Father, we acknowledge the gospel truths of your word today, that you alone are God, that you are high and lofty and majestic and splendid, that there is no one like you, that you are incomparable, that you rule and reign. You are King of kings and Lord of lords. You are perfect in every single way, and we are not. Father, we are dependent creatures on you for everything. Father, we depend upon you for life. And we owe our lives to you. And despite our sin and rebellion, in your perfect and good and gracious plan, you have pursued us. You have come to us. You have sent your one and only eternal son to us to take on human flesh, to live the life that we could not live, to give his life in our place that we might be forgiven, that you might be just and the one who justifies us. Father, we thank you for forgiveness. We thank you for life in you. We thank you for the joy of salvation and the hope of eternity. We thank you for the privilege of knowing and following after you. Lord, may we delight in you. May we be satisfied by you. May we rejoice in you and find significance and purpose and hope and healing in knowing you. And Father, this morning, as we prepare to partake of the elements, Lord, help us to keep our eyes on the cross. Center us on the truth of the gospel. And then, Lord, compel us, lead us, move among us to respond accordingly. And it's in the name of Jesus And for his sake we pray, amen.